Welcome to the Botanic Works Artist Podcast. This podcast is about creativity, design, sales, marketing, and business unite. Botanic Works Artist Podcast brings you insightful conversations with industry most inspiring figures from artists, illustrators, or designers, creative art agents to art directors, from art gallery owners to greeting card entrepreneurs, and everybody in between. Good morning, everyone. Today, I'm so excited to have a very special guest. Her name is Helen Stevens. I am so happy because I met Helen five, six years ago in Cambridge. And now, finally, I have her as my guest today. Yay! (laughs) Oh, it's so nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for remembering me. (laughs) I remember. (laughs) We had our we did a little selfie together, didn't we? Yes, we did. We yeah, did. Yeah, I remember. Such good memory. Yes, yeah, so yeah. was in uh, one of your talk, and after your talk, I came to you. I'm very brave. I have thick skin. <laughs> <laughs> so, Helen, I would um a lot of listeners probably they all know your book, and um, but for people who um. Yeah, just tell us a bit about story about yourself and how long have you been working as an artist? I think 26 mm-hmm. years, if I... Oh, yeah, a long, long, long time. So I went to Glasgow Art School, left there in 1994, did some editorial for a bit, but it didn't fit me very well. I didn't really enjoy that. And then uh, in 1998, I had my first picture book published and what do I do now? Uh, I started the hashtag walk to see on Instagram, which has a gazillion contributions, which is amazing. That That's a hashtag for drawings made in a sketchbook from life. That's been amazing, really amazing. And what else do I do? I run the Good Ship Illustration with my good friends, Tanya Willis and um, Katie Chapel. Yes. Uh, and we have a podcast and some courses. And I'm still writing and illustrating children's books. Yeah, I think that sums it up. Did you ever sleep? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what, though? That's a good question because it sounds like a lot, but spread over a long years, doing a little bit every day, it adds up. Like, <laughs> yes, there have been really, really busy periods. Like when we launched The Good Ship, we had absolutely no idea how successful it was going to be. And so I'd already planned picture books for a couple of years ahead. And so... When Good Ship really took off and the courses sold really well and we decided we'd make a picture book course and start a podcast, yes, I have never worked so hard in my entire life. But I knew that there was an end to it. I knew that I would find a balance and we took on some assistance for the Good Ship. And last year I took a bit of a break from illustrating for a while so that my brain could calm down. But yeah, I mean, mostly though, the way I work is just a little, every day just write a short list of achieve achievable things and do a little bit every day and it, it just adds up doesn't it yes i ho- only heard the good things about about work because you know um two weeks ago i was doing a meetup in my studio and a, an artist came and we were talking about um you know i would like to invite a guest for my show what do you think and she was like how about helen how about the illustration, oh. Helen? I like, yeah, I already invited her, but I can keep a little bit secret. But, you oh, know, I only, nice. only hear good things about, you know, um, but 
I met you at a Cambridge, the Ang Anglia Ruskin University, and your best work, um, a how to a series, how to hide a lion series, and mm -hmm. how did you? You know, a lot of our audience they want to uh, break into the picture book uh, industry. Mm -hmm. And how how do this book idea came from? Did you ever think about this? Like, I want to have a lion, and it's as a child. And how how you know how do you yeah. always like to make picture book when you were young? Uh, I'll I'll split this question into two. So, like, yes, how please. to break into picture books? Yes. Um. The way that I did that was through like naivety and impatience. So yeah, I left art school and I worked in editorial for a little while and I didn't enjoy it. I'm not really a conceptual illustrator. I also hate to be given a measurement to fill in. And that's what editorial illustration felt like, tiny little spaces to, to decorate. And I, I know some people love it, but it didn't suit me. And then I remember coming across this incredible picture book called Wild Martha's Away by Bruce Ingman in the V&A bookshop one day and thinking, oh, that feels like that I could do that. I, I It was the first time that I was really excited by, by a picture book and thought, I think maybe I could do that. I really like that it's a series of pictures and the editorial was driving me mad because it was one image and then it was gone and then another and then it was gone. Um, and I got excited by that. And so I started to get in touch with publishers and I um, took advice from publishers and kind of made my, my my folio when I left art school was all sketchbooks, really. But I went, I would ring publishers and people were really nice and they would let me go and see them and they would give me advice and I would kind of alter my work to make my folio more relevant to picture books. And people kept saying to me, we really love your illustration work. And when we find a story will be in touch but weeks would go by and they wouldn't send me a story and I would get really frustrated and impatient <laughs> and I would think oh well I'll just write one myself so that's what I did after waiting just to, I don't know how long six weeks or something I thought this is too long I'm more ambitious than this I can't wait around I'll write my own and so oh. I wrote my own and I took it back to that publisher who was Dolan Kindersley who used to do fiction at the time I'm not sure if they do anymore um took it back to them and they said yes. And so that's how I got started. Um, so I really recommend a bit of naivety. So just kind of push your way in. The Writers and Artists Yearbook is really useful, but all of those bits where they say they don't accept submissions, I ignored all that and thought, well, they might think they don't want to see submissions, but they'll want to see mine. <laughs> and it worked. It was just like, I don't know. Yeah, naivety. I didn't know all the rules about how to approach people, so I would just ring people. And people are nice um, and impatient. So, yeah, that's how I got in. And then How to Hide a Lion, that started when I'd lived in London for about 17 years, and then we moved up to Northumberland on the coast. And I remember the first thing that struck me when we moved here was that the buildings here are all built of grey stone and we have these incredible sea mists, these mists that roll in off the sea. Yes. And then the whole town is like silvery, sparkly, silvery, really beautiful. Like I like it better than the sunshine. It's so gorgeous. Um, and I got really 
you know, really into that image of this silvery town. And I was going out drawing and it was so windy that I could only draw with a graphite pencil really fast. I didn't take ink or anything wet out with me because it's it's such a windy place and a lot of rain so I was drawing in my sketchbook with a grey pencil and then I remember one day just thinking I really like yellow and grey together wouldn't it be good if a yellow lion walked into this grey silvery scene so it just started with my love of yellow and grey together that was it and then I drew a picture of a yellow lion in a grey town and that's where the idea started wow and and this the idea so slowly you came with the idea and then slowly the the you know draw all the kind of sceneries and then the story slowly evolves. Yeah, before text before and- this, like when I first started out in publishing back in ninety eight, the trend at the time, the advice from publishers was always to um, not set your book somewhere specific, not to have set it in your own town or make it look too British because we were selling, well, we still do sell books all over the world. The idea at the time was make the book look as generic as possible so that everywhere all over the world, you're more likely to sell co-editions. But thank goodness that's really changed now. Publishers don't really ask for that anymore. Um, And so when I was doing How to Hide a Lion and it was so in my head, so definitely set in this town, I just drew this town as a backdrop, backdrop, and by now publishers weren't worried about that anymore. So um, that's been a really interesting and good change in publishing, I think. And once the book is translated into other languages, it's amazing how when you see it with Italian writing on it, our town just looks like a little Italian town on the coast. And when you see it with German writing, it looks like a German town. It's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I, also in, in Chinese as well, I hope. Yes, it's in Chinese, yes. Wonderful. <laughs> I think it's, I've forgotten how many languages it's published in. Nearly, nearly 20, I think, nearly 20 languages, I think. Yes, go strong. More, more, in the future, mm. will be 68. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. <laughs> I love your energy. I love, I love the way how you, you know, from one thing to another and before the before the we start the show we have a little chat and and the way you say I don't have patience and and because mm-hmm. you like initiate a lot of artists they wait things I have a dream I wait for the publisher give me a call I send I send out emails and wait for another half year a year or two years uh, I'm not ready but you just like go for it you know six weeks are too long I love yeah, it I'm too impatient far too impatient for that I'm still like that now and I like to try new things, and then if the new thing doesn't work, I forget about it and move on to the next one. I mean, it's. I think it could be quite annoying for my partner because he's like a, a slow burner, like a long thinker. And I'm like, I've had this idea, now I've had this idea, now I'm abandoning that idea. <laughs> I was thinking four of us, you, me, and your partner, and my, my partner, John, and they both will be really Take a time, uh, it's like a tortoise and, and a rabbit. You know, I'm run yes. and run, and then they were slow. They're still like two weeks later. Did you tell me about it? Yes, I told you last week. You know, you know, so there will be very yeah. funny comic. <laughs> <laughs> it would. <laughs> and it's good though, isn't it? You balance each other out. That's good. I think it's good to have one partner who's a think like a slower thinker and one who's full of ideas. It's a good balance. Yes, yes. Sometimes gets my nerve, but 
Of course, yeah, we get on each other's nerves, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, you said once, my best drawing happens when I am uncomfortable. Mm. Could you elaborate a little bit? Because I know you like to draw in the rain as well. Yeah, I think um, sometimes, if especially if you're a bit out of practice, you open your sketchbook and you think, I'm going to do a drawing. And then you try too hard or or something, an interfering bit of your brain gets in and spoils it. You become like a perfectionist Mm. and you ruin your drawing. You're just off to a bad start. And um, I realised, I remember Tanya from The Good Ship was my tutor at Glasgow School of Art. Mm. And I remember this day where she said to me, Helen, you do your best drawing when you're not trying and you're not thinking. And I thought, ah, Yeah, she's right. Whenever I'm outside in the wind or the rain or I'm at a shopping centre and I'm in everybody's way and everybody's annoyed with me, and so I'm not thinking too hard about the drawing, the best drawing happens. It's like the little bit of controlling bit of my brain can't work. It's overwhelmed. It can't work. And so the other more instinctive bits work. So, yeah, that's why I started the hashtag Walk to See. Yes. To celebrate drawings made from life in a sketchbook, especially if you're just on a walk and you just stand up and draw while you're standing up or or while you're walking or while it's raining or, you know. Yes. Yeah. I, I enjoy I, I also participate to your hashtag and you share it on your story as well once. And then you, it's just amazing to see, like, you, you say, like, easy peasy. And then you're like, I'm nosy. I'm like, a lot of people hashtag it. And they say, I, I look into other people's life, their dogs, their windows. Yeah, their I love life. all that. I am so nosy. I love that. I really I, like it when people draw, people all over the world drawing the interior of their houses. I just nosy to see what their sofa is like, or what a Russian apartment is like. <laughs> I, I just love all that. Yeah. It just I, made me think for a minute then about, I remember um, I used to teach um, uh, one day a week or one day every second week on the MA at Cambridge Art School on the MA in yes. uh, picture, uh, uh, children's illustration for children. And I can remember once I was stood with Martin Salisbury, who who is incredible and his books are amazing. I was yes. stood with him and the students were asking, he was preparing them to go out to draw from life. And I can remember everybody was asking what should they take with them and where should they go? And I remember hearing Martin saying, um, just, you know, take your equipment out and find somewhere where you feel really comfortable. Get yourself settled in somewhere where you feel comfortable and start drawing. And I can remember staring at him in shock, like, comfortable? No. And I said to him, no, no, you don't want to be comfortable. You need to be uncomfortable. Don't go and draw from Marks and Spencer's second floor drawing, looking over the market. Get in the market in the rain and draw. It'll be a much better drawing. Yeah. Okay, everybody, get your chair ready and go on the street and draw. In Amsterdam, we have a lot of rains, and not today. Perfect. But most of the time, we have a lot of rains, <laughs> and, and you can see because I always afraid that oh, gonna spoil my sketchbook. Oh, I gonna take like nice watercolor. But now I realize like just <laughs> be uncomfortable and just concentrate the. And also the thing is sometimes we overthinking. Oh, um, like one of my students say, Ping, I have this. You know, I, I'm talking about botanical paintings. I have these flower roses, and then I grow some hydrangea, and I bought a new uh, sweet pea. But I don't know which one to start. And after a week or two, I like, pink. I didn't 
because there's too much choices. I don't know what mm. to start, where to start. And what you say, just, you know, make yourself uncomfortable and not overthinking. Just go mm. get a sketch. I think that's it. You, you can put all sorts of obstacles in your way because it's actually scary to start something, isn't it? Yeah. And so the, the excuse you give is I don't know which one to draw. But actually what you're trying to say is I'm just scared. And so just starting, it's the only way you just got to battle through it, isn't it? It's the only way to get to the other side. For sure. Sometimes we procrastinate because we we overwhelmed, uh, over, very scared. You know, if you put something on blank page, you know, it's quite scary. Mm. So I always start with a little bit of doing the color on the left side of page. And then I'm kind of make myself comfortable and sit one minute or two. Yeah, that's maybe. good. Yeah, setting a timer is good for that or drawing with your non-dominant hand so that you just know immediately this drawing is going to be wonky and, and that's fine. At least I've done a drawing. Oh, that's a great mm -hmm. tip. I didn't even, even, even do that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so you draw a lot from life and um, because I was also um, the good ship uh, illustration you do Friday as well so but do you also like have a story in mind before you draw but I sometimes you I as I'm I read some interviews you said that sometimes uh, you don't want to you just want to have free work and some some days you have a lot of lot of um you know a briefing from publisher and it's sometimes mm -hmm. if you know um yeah creative voice anymore so when you do a lot of live drawings and um, do you think that's a picture book coming in mind or just let it free as, as uh, yeah no I'm just thinking back to this period after I'd been in publishing for a little while a few years mm -hmm. and I'd been doing lots of baby books and because I was when I was that really impatient illustrator desperate to be published and going around getting advice from publishers, I was like this sponge just soaking up advice from everybody. Yes. And it was really good because it meant it was easy for me to get published because if people gave me advice, I took it. It meant I was really flexible. It was easy for them to publish me. Yes. But the problem was after those first few years, I felt like I'd taken so much advice from people that I didn't even know what my work was anymore. Mm. And the work I was making just didn't satisfy me it didn't feel like it looked like my sketchbook work mm -hmm. it also because a lot of it was flat bright colors because I used to work in acrylic at the time mm -hmm. I felt like I couldn't put any emotion into the stories so even if I started to write a story and it had a drama in it I felt like I couldn't illustrate it because I'd got sort of stuck I'd kind of trapped myself in this flat bright kind of color palette mm -hmm. um so I decided I would take some time out and um, those baby books had done done quite well. So I, I was lucky I could live on my royalties for a while. And I just went back to sketchbooks like I did at art school. Yes. And I decided not to just really not think about publishing for a while, just take some time out, go back to my sketchbooks and just see where it would go. Um, so I did that um, and was very consciously not trying to develop new story ideas. And then sometime during that year, I went drawing at Battersea Dog's Home and I drew this dog and then I put my sketchbook on the shelf and forgot about it. And then in another sketchbook, I'd written the word flea bag. And then I happened to take them both off the shelf at the same time one day and thought, oh, yeah, that dog could be called flea bag. And then that led to a kind of idea for a story. And then I, then I went from there. 
that that book got published and I was back into publishing again, but I was in a much happier place because everything I'd learned from those early years, all the advice I'd had from publishers about making a lovable character and making the face look friendly and page turns and all the stuff I'd learned, I kind of mixed that with my sketchbook work that felt more like me. So I learned in that year to sort of build a bridge between what I felt was more authentically me in my sketchbooks and the published work so yeah when I came back from that time out I just felt so much happier and then that book did a lot better than all the books I'd done before so I think people recognize when you're a happy illustrator they can see it in the work yes so yeah when I go out drawing from life I don't usually go out drawing from life with an aim to make it into a story although sometimes I have a story idea and then I want to draw the thing from life. So how to hide a lion. When I decided there was a lion, I went then went to the zoo to draw lions because if I draw something from life, it feels like it anchors more in my brain. It becomes more real. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know how to say it exactly, but I feel as if when I've drawn something from life, it's not just a made-up story floating around with no connection to me, yes. if you know what I mean. Yes, I, I yeah. So sometimes the book idea comes first, then I go and draw the thing. Or sometimes I draw a thing and then think, oh, this could be an idea. So it, it's both ways. Yes, I really admire your, like, you know, um, you know, some some artists, they were afraid that if I stopped the way that the publisher world asked me to do and their own, they're a little bit frustrated. Their own voice was not coming across and they were not happy with what they were doing. But for the sake of income, they continue doing it. They drain their energy and sometimes get burned, uh, burned out because mm-hmm. if you're not enjoying doing it and then the deadline after deadline, you just have to keep on going. But I really admire that you take time off and, and really, really admire your braveness and also and you come back with new fresh ideas and then you dare to present it. And because then you say that people can see that you are happy self mm. and you combine. I have to the- say it didn't feel like it didn't feel like bravery. It more it felt more like if if I do this for one more day, I'm gonna go mad. I don't okay. think I'm an illustrator. If this is what illustration is, I'm not that. And so it didn't feel brave. It felt like there was no choice <laughs> that if I don't do this, I'm going to stop completely. If you, do you know what I mean? It didn't yeah. feel like a looking back. Maybe you could say it was a brave time. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. at the time it was a bit more of that of my impatience, just like oh no, I've had enough of this. <laughs> no more. <laughs> Actually, it's just a really interesting uh, journey. A lot of artists beginning, they want to, sorry for the noises, the people are doing construction on Amsterdam Road. So if you hear the noises, sorry for that. Um, so what I want to say, a lot of uh, like now, uh, um, some of my friends, they are in the middle of, of that mess, you know, um, they are in, they are on the picture book journey for like have 20 or 15 books out there. They feel like the the energy not there anymore, and they feel mm-hmm. they're you know they lost their own voice, authentic voice, the color they use, the the way they draw. It's it's not them. So they are in the crossroads. You know what's next. So <laughs> I hope yeah, they it's can... a very very common thing. I think I feel their pain. I know it. It's a very common problem, but I do think it's easier to fix than you think. Oh yes. 
Because I think a lot of it is to do with early days in publishing. You feel as if the publisher have all the power and you don't, that you have less power and that, and that the relationship is that they tell me what to do and I have to do it. But I don't think that is true. I mean, I think that's useful to just go with that a little bit at first when you're new. But I think publishers actually really like to hear your opinion and your expertise. And sometimes I've realised now that if a publisher asks me to do something and I think there's a better way to do it, and I tell them with confidence, actually, I think it would be better to fix it like this, usually they are completely happy with that and are glad that you have your own opinion on it. But I think it's easy in the early days to think that you're just like a job in Illustrator and if they tell you to do something, even if you think it's not right, that you do it. But you're the expert, you're the visual expert in this, you're the illustrator, and with experience, you really start to know what works and what doesn't work. And I think there comes a point where you can give pushback to the publisher and they're glad. But I think everybody goes through this transition of... Of kind of, can I do this? Am I allowed to do this? But really, a publisher and an illustrator are equals. You're both in it together to make the best book you can. So it's much healthier to think of it like that. Yes, also, also I think experience. And sometimes you have more experience with same publisher or you dare to, you know what the expectation is and they know you and you can express yourself more. It's definitely to do with a good relationship with a publisher because often you can be stuck in that situation just because the relationship is a bad one and actually what you need to do is move publisher and find an editor and a designer who suit you better who you all you're all on the same page and you work as a team there's nothing better than finding a really good team that you really trust and you're all equally involved on in making the best book you can and you're all listening to each other Yes, I, I I totally feel the flow of the like flow, you know, instead of like a job, you ask me to do it, I have to change for the sake of your opinion, instead, then we say, okay, let's make it a better work. Okay, I, you know, everybody has same page, and they want to make the best and achieve the mm -hmm. best result. It's, it's not a job, I have to finish it, you know, you, you don't like what I did, instead of like, oh, you know, you also have to be the artists also have to be like open-minded. It's not about you, your work is about make the best from what you have, you know. Mm, it's true. Yeah. Is it is it your style? Because you always do um I I don't I don't see you do um changing to um how that's uh the 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 procreate. Is is your style evolving over the time, over the years, or what kind of material you always use? Because I cannot see you with like a, Procreate with Apple Pen and, you know, tell us about no, I, your... I know I, I actually did a book on Procreate recently, but m maybe you wouldn't know, which is a good thing, because I just thought, I, during lockdown, I thought I'm going to learn Procreate because it just looked like fun and I thought I might get into it. So I learned Procreate during lockdown, you know, messed, when I say learned it, I messed about with it and did what I needed it to do. I don't know everything about Procreate. Basically, I, I'm only interested in the things on Procreate that you could actually do on a piece of paper. So I don't like to zoom in and I don't like to use brushes that don't look like a hand, you know, like a, a, a brush that you would use in real life. Um, yeah, I change materials a lot because I, 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 I don't want to get trapped in one way of working and then feel bored of it. Like The thing that keeps me excited is learning something new. It's always what excites me. Yes. So, um, 
yeah, I mean, I, I really love watercolour and a dip pen and ink and crayon all used together. And I don't like to mix the watercolour too thin. I like it sometimes I use it a bit like gouache. On one painting, I might have watery bits and then some thicker bits. Um, but then in Procreate, I, I, first of all, I really tried to mimic the way that I work on paper. And then I decided, actually, I didn't need to do that. If I make something that still pleases my eyes then that's still that's good um but yeah i yeah i'm always exploring new materials i love doing that yeah i can i can see your personality try new things i i, I can see mm -hmm. like you know you you are never person occurred to me that oh there's something new I'll, i'm comfortable with what i'm doing you were like you know like you're cu very curious you know let me try it you know maybe mm -hmm. i can make something out of it it's it's your personality i guess <laughs> Yeah, I just think, yeah, I just love learning something new. It keeps you going, doesn't it? it, it yes. It's what excites me, yeah. And or also, picking up a material that you think you don't like. Sorry, I interrupted you. Sorry, sorry, sorry what do you say? I said, I like it when I think that I really dislike a material. Have and I'll decide, it? I'll decide, I like it, for a long time I hated gouache because it reminded me of being a teenager and the smell of it and everything reminded me of being a teenager. And I thought, nah, I'm not into gouache. For years, like, like 20, 30 years, I didn't use gouache because of that. And then at art club one night, I thought, oh, I need to get through this. Maybe you can use gouache in a way that feels nice to me and I'm going to use gouache. And now I really love gouache again. <laughs> I really yeah. like that. Like pre if, you, if you've got a preconception that you're going to hate something, just yeah. pick it up and use it until you make something nice with it. I, yeah. I get really excited by that. Yeah. I, I, I used to like, um, because gouache is the, for me, watercolor, you know, if you do quick things, then they have to take ages to dry. And the gouache is like, I, I learned it from mark art that sells. And then everybody using gouache to start a concept. I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy a set. Now I give the set to my colleague. So it's, um, I, I have different kind of tube. I don't like the basic set they put in the, I, I don't like the colors. I like, I'm not really into gouache because the color is not nice, but now I get my own set. Yeah, that's it. If you find some colors that you like, it's well worth buying, even if it's a strange set of colors. If that's a palette you love, yeah, yeah that's good. Helen, how many books do you illustrate now? Mm, I'm not sure. Maybe. Too many? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I've maybe written, yes. maybe written... Oh, I don't know. Maybe written fifty, if you include baby books. I don't know. Maybe more. <laughs> and there's lots of illustration projects where I've had nothing to do the, with the writing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm not sure. It, it's funny. And at the beginning, you count one, two, three, four, five, and <laughs> you have after fifteen are uh, like you know. <laughs> yeah, and some of them do well, and some of them disappear forever. You just yeah, some of them I'd rather forget. Some of them I'm really proud of. Yeah. <laughs> do you have know. your favorite ones? May I ask? Um, I think How to Hide a Lion is, but but I've got a new one coming out soon called Smelly Peggy. Comes out later this year. And I'm really, really proud of that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get this book, and next time I see you, I would like you to sign it for me and Alice. I will. We love your book. <laughs> My daughter and me, we we love your book. Ah, thank you. And I told my daughter that I can interview today. <laughs> oh. <laughs> how old is she? 
She's nine. She just uh-huh. turned nine. Oh, and lovely. She she likes to tell stories and um, and next time if you go, you give a workshop uh, live, um, I'm gonna bring her. She will be the youngest uh, ch- student oh. for you. <laughs> oh yeah, bring her. That would be good. <laughs> um, so many children's uh, children's uh, picture book artists work for um, children's magazine, and as as you said, you know, at the beginning you start with editorial or children's magazine and pattern design uh, for children's collection. Um, what do you think is a good route to take to learn from other industry first or just jump in and just do the sketch? And do you have a certain kind of tip? Uh, I, think, I think when I was starting out, I didn't know what area I wanted to go in. So I I tried to be open to everything. But yeah, I very quickly realized that other things didn't suit my personality or I just didn't enjoy them. So, yeah, I did editorial for a bit, but it just didn't suit me. Picture books just felt right immediately. It felt right that you, you, you do that you've got a narrative to follow and you can... The great thing about writing and illustrating picture books is that you can write what you want to draw, and I like that, that I kind of set my brief by deciding, I'd like to draw this, okay, could I make a story around this? It, it just felt like a place where I could play and be in control of the whole thing. I mean, you, it is teamwork as well. But um, I'm sorry, I forgot what you, what you asked me. No, About mean, going into other areas like pattern and stuff. Yeah, some people like I mm. noticed some people are like a few of my friends, they are architects. They used mm. to do editorial, for example, or they used to um, yeah make for, for magazines um, and also pattern designs or architect then then they turn to picture book by mm. reading for their own child and they did a little bit detour in a way mm. but i think there's no shortcut i mean sometimes people like you are okay some people are very quick graph grat- uh, to to the picture mm. book by accident mm. uh, some people yeah just i don't think there's a shortcut is there i think you just have to try a bit and see whether it suits you and then you only find out really by doing it. We talk about this in the good ship. Katie and Tanya and I have been talking about this recently and about mm-hmm. how um Katie really doesn't like to do a rough drawing and then the actual artwork and then any changes. In fact, she hates changes. She's allergic to changes. She never wants to do them. She likes to just be in, do it, out. And so she's a really good live illustrator because it's one hour. She draws really fast in that hour. They very rarely, they can't ask for changes. I think she'll do it occasionally, but um, really changes are out of the question. They get what they get while she's live. And that suits Katie's personality, which means she has to find clients all the time. So she has quick turnover of clients. Mm -hmm. Whereas I like to establish a relationship with a nice team, a publisher. And sometimes I'll have the same publisher for 20 years and, um, I like this. I like. I really love the process of making lots of roughs or dummy books until you get it just right. And yes. um, so that that suits me. We were talking about how we were talking about how the three of us are like. Um, it's like Katie is just like sleeping around all over the place, a different client every day. Tanya is a serial monogamist because she makes. 
she works for lots of different type of clients and the job might last a week or a month or a couple of months and then a new client. Whereas I have a publisher and I'm with them for like long-term married. <laughs> but they, that suits us. It suits our personalities. But we only found out that by experimenting and finding where we didn't fit and then working out where we did. Yeah, I like what you said You by working. it. Otherwise, if you already like I want this kind of menu. <laughs> this is the recipe for artists for picture book and step one and two and three. But there is no way in our life everything, you know, you try and fail and just know what mm. you do want and focus on what you like, what you want. Mm. But sometimes I realize sometimes things you don't like to work with, maybe turn out to be, if you give a little bit of efforts, turn out to be the things you want to work with. You know, I, for me, the watercolor was so difficult at the beginning. I hate it. You only mm. get a one-time chance, but now I love it. It's my media. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. so true. And do you work with agents? Because I heard you you still have Hillary. I don't mm. know how to pronounce it. I've, I've had different periods. So when I first started out, my first couple of books, I had no agent. And publishers don't mind whether you have an agent or not. If they like your work, they'll either deal with you or your agent. They don't mind. Mm -hmm. um, and then an agent got in touch after the first few years in publishing. And I was with her just a couple of months because I I, I really just didn't like my relationship with her. It, was, it, it just didn't work. Um, so I left her after just a couple of months and then I had years and years without an agent, maybe 10 years or more without an agent. Um, I just learned what's in an average contract and what to look out for. And then I remember at one point I thought it'd be handy to have an agent again because I was starting to be asked for things like theatre, my books to be turned into stage shows and stuff. And I didn't, I had no idea about those contracts so then I got an agent and I've been with um, the agency, first of all, Hilary Delamere till, mm -hmm. I don't know how long that's been, 15 years maybe. And then she retired last year. She was amazing, Hilary. She retired and now um, Jessica Hare has taken over as the agent there and I'm with her. She's amazing too. It's amazing. You, you I, And I can see that you established a long-term relationship and that, that's, you know, a lot of artists can learn from it. Mm. And I think it's a both ways. Sometimes the agent relationship, you have a feel. It's a kind of marriage, you know, mm. <laughs> your career, but it's your partner in, in a business. Yeah, your partner in crime. We make lots of plans, lots of plans together. My, my agent, I really like, I like to use my agent to hatch plans with and just chat unofficially about what's going on. It's nice to have an ally, but like a marriage as well. If you don't talk about the bits that are not going right, then it won't work. So you've got to be able to say to your agent, oh, I didn't like it when you didn't do that. Or you've got to be able to voice your opinion. Yeah. So I speak to lots of people who are unhappy with their agent. And I always think, well, the solution is to tell them you're mm. unhappy and see if they'll fix it. And then if they won't fix it, then you've got to get out of the situation. Because you could, I, I think there's... For most people, there's nobody more ambitious than yourself. For you, there's nobody more ambitious than yourself. So if your agent is not pulling their weight, you'd be better doing it yourself. That's right. I think it's also uh, both ways. You know, you do your best communication is the key. I think all the problems happen between partners or no matter life partner and a business partner or 
partnering crime. But I think it's communicate because I, I nobody can hear, can see what you're thinking, and you need to express it. Sometimes the things everybody have different kind of opinion, approach, or perspective. And if you don't speak it out, if you feel uncomfortable, and that also happened to me. I learned from my lessons as well, and and what you said that. Just communicate what's the plan and whether you're not happy with what you, you know, what you can do to contribute to what other people can do and make the best of the situation. If sometimes, you know, involve budget, sometimes involve your time. For artists, it's more about time and ideas. If they like it and then they just keep quiet, agent keep quiet for a long time. And you feel like, does she or he like it? Um, so you also... It's also take time to build up a relationship, but also like your personality, very open and just like, okay, look what I did. And, oh, you don't like it? Mm. Okay, I go for another mm. version. And mm -mm. you're not very collaborative and very flexible. And I think the agents love that kind of quality. Initiate, you initiate the, the, the progress you anticipate mm. instead of the waiting for ages, then you do nothing. Yeah, it's my idea. You don't like it. It's your problem. But that's okay. Mm. Let me change something around, but still keep your own uh, creative voice. That's very, um, yeah, it's very, um, yeah, it's, it's quite a skill to master it. I, I think um, it's a bit similar to what I was talking about, about early relationships with publishers. It feels as if the publisher have all the power in those early years. Of course, they do. They have their power, but you have yours as well. They can't make your book without you. Indeed. Indeed. But it's the same with agents as well. It, it's hard to get an agent, and so therefore it feels like you should be grateful and that they're somehow your boss. And it's not true. You both work for each other. Yeah. Um, and I, there's I would... never anything to lose. If you're unhappy with your agent, there is nothing to lose. You might as well just leave and see if you can find another or, or you know, the, the Association of Illustrators in the UK, and, and I'm sure there's other associations in other parts of the world, they're really good at giving advice on contracts. So it's you can learn it. it it's, it's, it's not rocket science. At the beginning, you feel like, oh, I need an agent, have everything out. I need to have have contract, you know, but just I think it's important to get your body work ready and then the things when time comes. Otherwise, you worry about here, worry about there, and the skills, your skill sets are not ready yet. You even, you know, spend a lot of time to figure out, to buy books to, to understand we've, the contract. You know? We've been talking about this in The Good Ship recently because we recently launched a business course and we were talking about that thing of, yeah, you need to work on your skill. Yes. But you you also need to we we we've got a really bad analogy of cars with this. So you're in like your skills car. You drive your skills car along for a bit. You're learning how to do the best work that you can possibly do and express your own voice. But sometimes you got out get out of the the creative car and get in your business car yeah. and get your website fixed up and put your work out there and send some postcards out to people or email people or go in a bookshop and find the books that you love and see who's publishing them. Yeah. You've got to do. You do a bit of one and then you do a bit of the other one. You get back in the other car. Like it's constant and there's no rule about how to do it. It doesn't matter which comes first. Mm -hmm. I just think if you wake up excited about one of them, just do that one. And mm -hmm. and then when you feel like you've progressed a bit, go back to the other one. Helen's <laughs> <laughs> so nice because last week, this moment, um, I was standing on the Dutch book fair 
And I, I because I see myself like I really want to children's book, but that's really scares me because the poses and page turns really scares me. And the funny thing is one of the publisher, they adore what I did. They make photos with my card. I'm setting my cards there because more, the card's easier for me, like a one shot and one design with dog expression. And that's one thing. But once you just say that, you know, sometimes I've been inside, sometimes you have the, the creative side and then both turning mm-hmm. around. And then when you're ready, just move on further. So you, you never know what you just said will impact a lot of people like me, like was a hesitate, am I good enough? You know, am I, am I going to able to ever going to step in a children's book? And I love children's book and I, I buy children's book for my kids. Actually, most of the time I'm reading it. You know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I had a huge collection of children's books before my daughter was born. Yeah. And that made me think about something. Oh yeah. That yeah. thing about not being good enough. Do you know, I used to, when I first left art school, I moved down to London and I worked in um, Waterstones on High Street, Kensington. And we were open till like, I can't remember, 10 o'clock at night, something like that. But the shop would be really quiet from about seven in the evening till 10, it would be dead. Mm-hmm. And I used to just go and hang out in the children's book section. And I used to make myself feel a lot better by looking at the rubbish books. So I would pull out a book and I think, that's rubbish, I could do better than that. So even though I had self-doubt and even though I felt like, oh, am I good enough to do this? It was really useful to go and look at some books where you think, well, they're publishing that. So I think I could do better than that. (laughs) So I think sometimes looking at the world's greatest picture books, books with that have changed the world, you know, Sometimes that can make you feel like, oh, God, how would I ever do that? I don't know where to start. So it's better to look at at the bad ones. Everyone who is listening, if you have ever your first book out there, you need to go to Helen to thank her for what she just Uh said, please. And Mm -hmm. I will be the person, if my first book out there, I will ask Helen, Helen, I'm going to give you a call to tell you, Helen, your words makes a lot of difference in my in my picture oh. life, really, really. Oh, that's it. so nice. Thank you. Oh, I'm gonna join. I'm gonna come to join the the good ship uh, illustration courses online. Of you. Oh, also. we'd love that. Yeah, come and join <laughs> us. That would be brilliant. <laughs> yes, we're gonna talk about it. Um, yes. Um, the good ship illustration. Um, you also have a podcast. You also have. Yeah, tell a bit, a bit about that, about the good ship illustration. I know about about it. But yeah. I think it's best best to hear from you at first hand. Yeah. Okay. So um, I have a really good friend called Sarah Tasker, who's called me and all are on Instagram. And we've been friends for a really long time. And she was one of the first people ever to launch an online course. There were, it, was a, it was an online course about how to do Instagram when Instagram was just taking off really early days. And um, she'd been trying to mentor people one-on-one, but it took too much energy. And so she decided that she would make this course so that more than one person could get the information at a time. Anyway, her on her first launch, it was so successful. Like it, it just blew her mind. And I remember her ringing me and telling me, um, you know, how many people had signed up in the last couple of hours and she was just overwhelmed with the success of it. And then she was saying to me, you should do this, Helen. You should do this. All the chats we have and stuff, people would love it. You should do this. And this was years and years and years ago. Um, and so I would often chat with Sarah and I'd get very excited and I'd say, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And then I just didn't do it. I couldn't do it. 
I would give information away for free on my website. I would give advice. I would answer everybody's messages in Instagram until I was exhausted from it. But I just couldn't launch the course. Why? I, it was just scary. I think it was scary. I don't know. I just couldn't. I'd say, yes, I'm going to do it. Yes, I'm going to do it. And then I wouldn't do it. Tomorrow, um, tomorrow, 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 yeah. And then in the end, I thought, oh, it, it, Tanya moved. I, I knew Tanya at art school. She was my tutor. She moved to Hong Kong for years and years and years. And then she moved to this town where Katie and I live. I already knew Katie. Tanya moved into town. And I thought, I should just ask my friends. We met for coffee every week. We would meet for coffee and we would have these brilliant, honest chats about what it's like to be an illustrator like how do you ditch a bad client what do you get paid for this and we would tell each other everything and I thought you know this idea would be way more fun with my friends yes. and so I asked Katie and Tanya and Katie was already thinking of doing it already <laughs> um and so we were we just said yeah brilliant good idea let's get started and so we within a few days of talking to them we were off and um, and then we were just ready to launch the first course, Fly Your Freak Flag, when lockdown happened. Oh. So we had this Zoom call where we said, is this right? Shall we launch it? What, is this bad timing? And we thought, well, we've got nothing to lose. We have no idea whether anybody will buy it anyway. Katie's mum said she would do it. We said, <laughs> let's just do it with Katie's mum. <laughs> so, um, and then I remember... So we'd planned, you know, I don't know, a month from now, we'll launch the course. Let's get making it and then we'll launch it. And then one night, Katie and I were having a little chat and said, should we go live on Instagram? Should we do a little drawing session on Instagram? Yeah. And it was only supposed to be a one-off. And that became Art Club. And we did Art Club every single Friday night for the entirety of lockdown and long after. Wow. Um yeah, and we did, we launched that course and it went really well. And now we've we've got three courses now, and it's just it's it's amazing because we have so much fun. We just absolutely love doing it, and it's been so successful. It's just blown our minds. We had no idea it would be so successful. Um, it had yeah. to be successful because it's three good friends coming together, and mm -hmm. very very adventurous. Especially you know, um, you know, Tanya went to Hong Kong. <laughs> And then it's like you you come back together in the same tongue and you have the ideas bubbling for many years. Just have like one person say, let's do it. And then mm -hmm. you have the action, you, you're action taker. So, and also um, from like dedicated so many years, like you go Friday, paint together, no excuses, mm -hmm. no, no excuses, have personal things just come back here. It was hard. Those it's Friday, hard. those first art clubs, yeah. We were we were like after it the adrenaline was so high that we couldn't get to sleep. Sometimes we'd say things that were so embarrassing. We would think they were so embarrassing that we would just delete the art club after it because one of us had said something that we were so embarrassed about. Yeah. But it's just like what's the word? What's it? Yeah. Exposure therapy. Yeah. The more we did it because we did it absolutely every Friday. The more we did it. Mm. the less adrenaline we had and the more normal it came. So I think those first few episodes, I don't even go and look back because I think we just giggled and and screeched in high-pitched voices all the way through them because we were like, what are we doing? <laughs> and, 
but yeah, it was like exposure therapy because it's it's so much fun and we don't feel all those nerves and fear that we said the wrong thing because we say stupid things every week and nobody really minds. You, you know, it's so authentic, you know, it's um, because you like um, you draw from left. I, at one time I go on your Instagram live and, and you were joined together and then something like it's so like I feel like I am in your studio with everybody else it's like you speak out what you think just not like have to fake it have to make somebody happy you just like yeah. messy around or just draw and I just really with you and we are standing next to you in your studio and that's kind of like you're building up all you know some people just like fake it to make it but you just like this is just me I, I'm welcome you to see the real Helen or the real Katie or real that was a, just just an accident though because you know it was lockdown we couldn't go out and buy new clothes and we've been in our pajamas all day and yeah. you know if we'd taken time I'm glad we didn't take time and we didn't think about it too hard because I might have tried to present myself as a bit more polished yeah. but once we'd started you couldn't then pretend to be something else no. so I'm so happy that we we launched with a lot with a a huge lack of preparation in lockdown in our pajamas. It's the best <laughs> thing that happened. Yeah. I'm so happy. And I know that more success is on the way because um, I've heard a lot of good things about Good Shape and also that the things you put out there, like work to see you inspire a lot of artists. And I just had this interview. I have a lot of interview before and I feel the energy can jump out from the screen and yeah. I will love around and I heard uh, tons of good, I'm going to listen back later, and tons of good tips. And for, for me as an artist, you know, a lot of people along the way can learn so many things because you are very open, you, you, you talk your experience, and, and are you very encouraging. And that's, that's the, like, when people, you, you are very high advanced than, you know, a lot of people, but you are very down to earth. You speak out your past and speak out your, you really, like from bottom of your heart, you want to people su successful and and be uh, making things they 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 like, they love, and just bring the potential out of the people. And uh, I think. Oh, thank you. That's been one of the most like, most fulfilling things for the three of us is to see what people have gone on to do. So people who haven't even drawn from since school are drawing again daily. They'll make a daily habit and they'll be drawing every day. Yes. Um, and we've got people who were too scared to ever show anybody their work and they've started sending out samples or entering competitions or mm -hmm. making their website. And then we've got people who've got like five book deals with picture book makers or they've become a live illustrator. And it's just incredible the successes that people have had. I mean, they're putting in all the hard work. You can't do, you can't do our course and not do any hard work. And it will happen, of course. That doesn't work like that. But it's been uh, amazing just seeing the success stories from people. Incredible. Yes. Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Thank you so much. And the more you talk, I'm going to take notes. You know, the, <laughs> the examples, you, you know, people, how they do things, you know. Indeed, everybody wants to have a successful career. But we, mm. you, the teacher only can give you the key to open the door, but you need to mm. really explore and put your own efforts to make the door, open the door you, in the room, what you do next, you know, you need mm. to decorate the room, 
you have your own career, a picture book. A lot of people just have a picture book idea or dream, but they never did anything about it. Like me, include me. <laughs> so, so I need to. Right, we need to sort that out. We need to sort that out. <laughs> yes, yes. You need I to get know. that book down on paper. We need to see it. Yes, yes, I I will. Actually, um, yes, uh, since day one. Today is the day one. Never too excellent, late to start. <laughs> Thank you, Helen. Thank you. Can you share with us um, where can people find you for people? I know for sure a lot of people know you. Um, a lot of people know you. But how can, can you share your um, social media? And now maybe mm -hmm. I can put on the show notes. And where can people find more of your books and working with you, please? So the, um, you can find The Good Ship Illustration on Instagram at The Good Ship Illustration. I'm Helen Stevens-Lyon on Instagram. I also, I've really got into Substack in a big way. And my Substack is called Pencil Pals, where I share lots of stuff about working digitally. Like for paper lovers like me, who've always worked on paper, yes. what feels nice in the digital world. Yes. Um, where else? Good Ship Illustration, you can find all our courses. And if you search Good Ship Illustration, we're at the top. You'll find us first and you can click on freebies. And there's a whole load of stuff there you can do for free to decide out, to decide whether you like the cut of our jib. Yes. And we do a free art club. Um, we don't do them every Friday now. We pop up and do them now and again. But if you sign up for the Good Ship newsletter, we'll always let you know when, there's a next, when the next art club is. Yes. Oh, and I've got a new book out. But I can't remember when. I can't remember when because I remember deadlines, but I don't remember publication dates. But I think it's early summer and it's called Smelly Peggy about my dog Peggy. Okay. When the book will be out and send us, then we're going to share it on uh, mm. our our podcast story and as well oh, our, our host you. as well. And uh, thank you very much. This is this will be my second uh, episode on Botany Works Artist Podcast. Brilliant. Good luck with that. I hope it's a big success. I'll share that. I'll share it. Spread the word. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And for everyone listening, follow Talon, follow the Good Ship Illustration. And I know that I learned a lot just what this conversation, and I, I mean that today is the day one for me to start as journey as picture book artist. And I'm really, really thankful for your time. And I really appreciate um, that you spread the knowledge to the world and have a lot of books out there with heart and soul people put in it. Thank you so much, Helen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on this artistic journey and thank you for listening to this episode of Botany Works. Your support means the world to us. If you enjoyed the conversation and find value in it, consider leaving a review or give a like and share it with your friends who might like it too. Your feedback views our passion and help us grow. Until next time, stay curious and keep growing.